Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nottingham Playcast. The podcast is about to begin. Please take your seats. Black umbrellas. Get your black umbrellas. Perfect for mourning the death of a loved one. Black umbrellas. I'll take one. Hey, mister, what about my money? Ding, 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 ding. Thanks, buddy. Don't mention it. Hey, Jay. It's me, Wolf. The guy from earlier. What happened, Jay? Just a regular bank robbery? You gonna get yourself run over? That's not like you. I'm gonna find out what happened, Jay. I promise. Even if it kills me. He was a good man. Chief. Wolf. Chief. Wolf. Chief. Wolf. All right, Chief, okay. All right, okay. Come back to pay your respects? Something like that, yeah. Well, don't do anything crazy now, Wolf. You know the Shadow City Police can handle this, right? Looks like you haven't even scratched the surface, Chief. Oh, believe me. We haven't even begun. Me and Jay go way back. We used to be partners. Hell, we were more than partners. We were friends. And he wasn't killed by a car. He was killed by a man. In a car. I had to find out what happened to Jay. I had to get to Jay's apartment. But first... I had to brave the mean streets of Shadow City. Hey, baby, you know in town? Hey, you want to see some puppies? No, thank you. More of a cat person. Okay, well, in that case, I can show you my pup. No. Thank you. Hey, dog, how you doing, dog? Hey, you want to buy some drugs? No, thank you. More of a... Cat person. Hey, hey, that's cool, dog. Hey, you want to buy some coke? No, I, uh... Maybe later. Hey, Wolf, it's you. Please, I haven't seen you in such a long time. Please, come into the restaurant to try some of Giuseppe's famous meatball, huh? No thanks, Giuseppe. I gotta get to Jay's apartment. Okay, Wolf, I see you later, huh? I'm sure you're gonna get into some crazy adventure, okay? Hello, I'm Derek, and you're listening to Nottingham Playcast, coming to you from Nottingham Playhouse, Regional Theatre of the Year 2019. We were delighted that the stage chose us as their Regional Theatre of the Year in their recent awards. The voices you heard at the beginning of this podcast were those of Lewis Doherty, the man behind Wolf, an extraordinary production in which he plays over 30 roles and is returning to Nottingham Playhouse later this month. Later in this podcast, we'll have an interview with another award winner, Morgan Large, who designed Wonderland, a fantastic show, which is back on our main stage this month. But first, let's hear a little bit more from Lewis Doherty. Our digital producer, Fraser Youngson, met him to find out what he's up to next. I am joined today by Lewis Doherty, and he is the performer from Wolf. Yes. How are you doing today, Lewis? I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm all right, feeling all right. 
Fantastic. So you are going to be performing here next week. Yes. But first off, let's hear about how you got into drama. Uh, okay, so um, I'm originally from Nottingham. Uh, I went to a school here, primary school, secondary school. Uh, and when I got to secondary school, uh, one of my drama teachers, Nick Hamley, asked me to audition for uh, a show that they were doing, which was Jesus Christ Superstar. And uh, I went to a couple of rehearsals, and I was in the chorus, um, and I stupidly dropped out because I didn't have, like, a proper part. Uh, and then he, he, they did The Wiz, which was strange. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but they did The Wiz, uh, and I was, like, two parts in that, so I sort of had to, like, multi-roll. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into it. I sort of really enjoyed it and then found out I could do it at uni. Went to uni, went to Birmingham and did that. Um, yeah, and then went to Oxford Drama School, and I've sort of been doing it since then. Fantastic. So what is your... Your work, what's the main focus of what you do? Uh, so Wolf is very much like a sort of one-man action movie. So I play all the characters, uh, I do like 90% of the sound effects, there's sort of like a, a really nice underscore, quite a filmic underscore throughout the whole thing to sort of help, help kind of aid all of that stuff. And it is quite a filmic show. Um, it's kind of like comic book in style, it's a bit cartoony. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of me as a performer. I also did quite a lot of comedy. Uh, after I left drama school, I was in a sketch comedy group called Laughing Stock. So yeah, so I, I think it's kind of rooted in a lot of comedy and a lot of uh, physical stuff and a lot of films, really. Fantastic. And what's the influences of the films? Because I saw the show when you were in Edinburgh. Yeah. And I was blown away by it. Right, thank you. <laughs> I loved it. I took my mum with me. Great. Did she, she enjoy was it? was not expecting to be going to see Smart. Amazing. It's yeah. quite violent. So I'm it glad was she... very violent. She <laughs> yeah. was out of comfort zone. Yeah, okay, good. She loved That's it. a good thing. That's what theatre's yeah. for. So, yeah. so what are the influences? Because it looks like film's the main influence. Yeah, totally. Um, a lot of films, loads and loads of films. I think consciously and subconsciously. Um, so people pick out stuff when they chat to me about the show that I didn't even realise. So people say things like Goodfellas and Iron Man and stuff, and I'm kind of like, when when was that bit? But mm. people seem to sort of link it to that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of comics as well. I read quite a lot of comics and stuff uh, for the kind of imagery and the text, mm -hmm. the dialogue and stuff like that. Yeah, and when I was a kid, I've got two older brothers, so uh, I was probably watching films that I maybe shouldn't be watching when I was younger. Yeah. I hope my mum doesn't listen to this, she'll batter them. But, um, <laughs> so I was watching like Quentin Tarantino films, uh, sort of Robert Rodriguez movies, mm -hmm. sort of hyper-violent, kind of cool yeah. uh, sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, probably a lot of that is quite influential. Yeah. And mm -hmm. how many characters are actually in this show? Like 30 plus in Wolf. Um, some are sort of like very quick characters that either die straight away or just sort of disappear uh -huh. uh, and others are sort of like main stay sort of characters but yeah it is like 30 plus I don't know the exact number yeah yeah but 30 is a good rough estimation fantastic yeah and how do you like flip between these characters because it's really clever how you do it yeah so um, I use uh, sound to do that so I make like a sound effect to do it myself and I, I often try to make sure that the characters are sort of different enough from each other, so removed enough from each other to make it super clear that I'm being one person and I'm being someone else, uh, which kind of helps with building the characters because you have to push it to a certain point where uh, it's always good to, I think, do more, mm -hmm. and then you can rein it in a little bit. Uh, so when I'm in rehearsal, I'll sort of be like, you know, like that character on 10, basically. Amazing. Yeah. You're talking about comic books. Yes. I'm interested in that. Oh, great. That's exciting. What kind of comic books are you taking influence from the most then? Uh, so, um, oh, God, which ones? I read a lot a while ago. 
um, on this like, comic book app that my okay. mate gave me a password for, which was great. But there's one called uh, Tokyo Ghoul, which is really, really good. The imagery okay. in that is cool. The characters are really good. That's set in the future. Mm-hmm. There's another one which I think is called The Wake, which I've read a lot of, and Rumble, which mm-hmm. had a, quite a big influence on Boar. Great. But yeah. And we can talk about Boar in a minute. Mint. Just tell me a little bit more about the sound effects because the yeah. way comic books use sound effects is yeah, very yeah. visual, but you've kind of taken those noises and you've put that into yeah, yeah. Um, I think when I was uh, a kid, I keep referring to school, but when I was at school, this is where it all happened. Um, <laughs> when I was at school, uh, I used to do this really embarrassing thing uh, where a friend of mine uh, and me, uh, he used to beatbox and I used to sing Justin Timberlake's <laughs> Crimea River. And uh, it's a massive, it's an amazing song. I still listen to it now. Um, and we'd sing that, right? I'd sing that. And then he was like, oh, you should try beatboxing. So I started beatboxing when I was about 15. Uh-huh. And my mum used to get really annoyed at me <laughs> in the car. I'd be like really bad at it. And then one day, I think I just kept practicing just uh-huh. out of pure curiosity. And then one day uh, I was in the back of the car beatboxing and my mum thought the radio was on. And that's when I was like, right, that's, I've nailed it now. So I think that's where it comes from. I'm sort of... Um, I mean, I don't know if that's the right word, but quite obsessed with like uh, showing something to an audience and it translating, mm-hmm. but but you not showing them anything really. They're sort of you sort of paint the picture or you draw the picture and they kind of colour it in for you. Yeah. So it's the things like the sound effects and the physicality and the voices that kind of help all of that, I suppose. That's great. Yeah. And you had a big summer last year. Yeah. You went to the Edinburgh Fringe with a, a show. Tiring summer. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah I was knackered from it. Um, yeah, it was mint. Um, I didn't do much in terms of PR. PR is a very expensive thing to do, uh-huh. uh, so I didn't have the sort of funds available to do that. Uh, I got to Edinburgh, and I've been before, like two or three times with the sketch group, and it's hard, man. Like it is a really, really difficult mm-hmm. thing to sort of just generally, sort of physically, emotionally, yeah. financially. It's just a really hard time. Um, but Wolf became one of those shows that just sort of took off. Like after the first week, it was mm-hmm. like I think I sold out the last fourteen shows that I did, That's amazing. which was wicked because it's nice to know that you don't have to pay a PR company to yeah. get bumps on seats if the show is good and the quality is good and people see it and they talk about it. Uh, yes, that was nice. It was a nice shock, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Where, where were you based for that? Where, where was the venue? So I was at Underbelly, uh, which was the Cowgate, which is under like a bridge. I want to say George Bridge, but that's probably wrong. Okay. Uh, I don't know why. Um, yeah, so I was there. I'd been there a couple of years with Laughingstock, so I had quite a good relationship with the people that run that venue. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a great little room, decent little tech. Yeah, the stage was tiny. Yeah. Um, so if you're listening underbelly, uh, no, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> yeah, the stage is quite small, but it's things like that that I really enjoy getting into a different space and making it work. Because I think that the show works anywhere, really, under sort of any circumstances, which I think is sort of the beauty of it. It's really clever. Yeah. And what kind of responses did you get from the show there? People loved it. Uh, I, I find that really hard to say, but people really did genuinely go yeah. mad for it. Um, and I sort of chatted to people afterwards. I sort of stand there and, you know, because I think it's important to, to thank people for coming and spending their money and stuff. Yeah. Um, and people genuinely just grinning sort of ear to ear after they came yeah. out. And people said, oh, I thought you were American and all this kind of stuff. And it's just nice to get that sort of, um, what's the words, uh, respect, I suppose, or sort of mm-hmm. admiration from people. It's nice that you can make something and do something and show it to people. And, um, you know, they, they really they really like it. So, yeah. So, Lewis, you had loads of success at the Edinburgh Fringe, yeah. as we've just heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, what was the next step? Um, so, yeah, so Edinburgh went uh, really well. Um, off the back of that, 
Um, I managed to get a sort of tour sorted. Um, but before the tour, I ended up performing at Oxford after Edinburgh uh, at the Northall Theatre, um, who were sort of co-producing the tour with me, which is fantastic. And I also uh, ended up coming here to Nottingham uh, to perform at the Playhouse, uh, which was part of Amplify 18, fantastic. which was wicked, yeah. And how was that, like, performing outside of the Fringe? Because you'd had all that big whirlwind there and then taking it elsewhere. Yeah, it was great. I think um, Nottingham was um, a a super easy one because I just... I mean, I ended up seeing people from sort of, like, ten years ago, which was great as well, and they were super supportive, and a lot of my family came. And it's just really nice, I think. There's something really, really lovely about uh, kind of being able to get to perform at home and somewhere like the Playhouse as well, which is fantastic. So, yeah. Fantastic. And you're here at Nottingham Playhouse this week Uh preparing the next show. Yes. The follow-up to Wolf. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, So it's called Boar, (laughs) which is another animal-related theme. Yeah, Um, lovely. But this is a little bit different. So Wolf was a bit like a sort of cyberpunk action-adventure, sort of 80s kind of noir thriller sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, Whereas Boar's a bit different. It's very like an epic fantasy sort of tale. So think sort of like, you know, Game of Thrones and like Vikings and stuff like that. And uh, things like Willow and Legend, Dragon Slayer, a lot of those kind of old school 80s medieval fantasy movies. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's kind of what I've got got with it at the minute. Nice. What Um, kind of journey are you going on this time? Or are you not allowed to say? uh, I can totally say, yeah. It's uh, about a character called Boar and his daughter Yilfa. And they're both bounty hunters. They're after this guy called Randolph, who's a thief. And they eventually catch him. They get arrested by the king's guard and the king sends them on this quest uh, to rescue the king's daughter from a dragon wow. so they have to travel far and wide and meet loads of different people and, and hopefully slay this dragon so yeah amazing are you playing a dragon? yeah what I'm going to be a dragon. Got a dragon I have no idea I've watched a lot of Benedict Cumberbatch doing oh, yeah. the dragon from Lord of the Rings <laughs> but I won't be like you know running around on the floor and that uh, I don't <laughs> think so anyway um but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try and use sort of different elements. I really want to keep the show, uh, the bare bones of it, to be really similar to Wolf. So in yeah. terms of just me and the sound effects and a lot of the filmic soundtrack and the characters, physicality, all that kind of stuff. Um, but just add some new elements in there because I mean I'm still trying to develop this sort of one man show kind of language, sort of as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I want to keep it really minimalist and, and very similar, but at the same time add some new extra little exciting bits just to keep people on their toes because otherwise it will just be boring <laughs> if people have seen wolf <laughs> they'll just be like moving. it's just wolf but you know in a different yeah, genre or setting role. yeah exactly so yeah. you want to change it up a bit and you said you were playing there's a female character in this one yeah yeah how, yeah. how are you going to go about doing that uh i'm sort of working it out as i go really uh in in wolf i played a lot of uh, not a lot i think i played like three female characters in it but because of the genre of that sort of show, it was very much a sort of pastiche on how like females are used in that sort of genre, like back in the day. Uh, so it was very sort of like girly girl type acting, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think in this one, I really wanted like a, a strong female character because I think that's something that the genre uses. Um, but yeah, that's kind of as far as I've got, really. That's great. Yeah, I hope it pays off. <laughs> I'm sure it will. So yeah. you're here for the rest of the week working on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the rest of the week, getting pretty sweaty, running about. Just on my own, really, in the Neville studio, going slightly mental, but it's worth it. It'll be worth it by the end. Yeah. Fantastic. And where where can people see that first? Where, where are you going to be performing? Ah, so Boar is on at Vault Festival in Waterloo in London, uh, and it's on in the Crescent, uh, and it's on at 9.15. And I believe you can get tickets from my website. Fantastic. What date is that? 9th of March. 
March, so not far. Sixth of March. Sixth of March. Honestly, mate, I've got so many dates going round in my head. They really are. Yeah, sixth of March, nine fifteen, Vault Festival. Fantastic, and that's gonna be the first live performance of that. Yeah, that'll be it. That'll be like the the sort of premiere preview slash work in progress <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Amazing, very yeah, exciting. Great. And before you do that, you've got some more dates for Wolf. Like you're yeah. coming back next week to perform here. Yeah, yeah, we're do- we're doing a tour, um, which is amazing. So I'm going to Birmingham, uh, I think from the 11th till the 13th, <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to Nottingham, coming back to Nottingham, yeah. and then we go to various places that I don't know the dates for because I'm sort of. That's fine. Yeah, it's too far in the you've future got a for me. And you've got Twitter, haven't you? Yes, yeah. So follow me on Twitter. It's at Doherty Lewis. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, we're all really excited to have you back here in Nottingham. Yeah, me too, man. I'm bringing a lot of my pals Great. to the Friday night. Yes, nice. They've heard all about it, Good. so they're all excited. The building's really excited to have you back Sweet, here. Sweet, man. Yeah. And we uh, look forward to seeing Boar soon. Great. Thank you, mate. Thanks very much, Lewis. Cheers. Well, I, for one, can't wait to see Lewis's work after that interview. And if you're like me, Wolf is back in the Neville studio on the 15th and 16th of February. I love the ambition of setting out to do a one-man show that tells a great fantasy epic or giant cast neo-noir comic book adventure, but also his concept of drawing a picture and letting the audience colour it in. So let's turn to someone else who creates a picture for the audience. Morgan Large's design for Wonderland won him a UK Theatre Award last year. With the show now enjoying a second run at the Playhouse, Beth Schuller caught up with Morgan to ask about his journey to Wonderland. I'm here with Morgan, who is the designer on Wonderland. Hello. Hello. Now, you're in the middle of production week for Wonderland, the revival of Wonderland. How is it all going? It's all going really well so far. Yeah, we um, started tech rehearsal uh, earlier this week, and we are kind of coming to the end of it now. We've, we've, we're kind of been, uh, we've been rattling through it at a rate of knots. Uh, I guess uh, we know this show now because we presented it obviously this time last year. So uh, it's always easy doing a show the second time around because we know what we're doing. So. That's good. Has it changed much since the first time you did it? We have some new cast members who've come on board who are all fantastic, so we've had to recostume them. Um, but you know, the, the play has changed a little bit. We've been tweaking hit bits here and there, um, but overall, it, overall it's uh, very similar. Yeah. Have there been any challenges around that? Because you, you've got to move it into a different space because it's touring this time, isn't it? Yes, indeed. After the, the run in uh, Nottingham, we're taking uh, the play up to Northern Stage in Newcastle. So uh, the two spaces are very similar, um, very dissimilar, I should say. I should say. <laughs> uh, Northern Stage is a lot wider than the, the Nottingham Playhouse stage, and we have uh, we don't have as much depth there either. So we've had to t- we're going to tweak the set a little bit to mm. make it fit to make it work in both venues. What was your process for designing one line? How did you come on board? Well, I've worked with uh, Adam Penford a couple of times before this. Uh, Adam and I actually went to college together many, many years ago. I love this. Um, <laughs> I don't think many people know that. But no, we both studied together in, right. in a place called Lipper in Liverpool, mm-hmm. which is the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. So it which, just opened, hadn't it, when you guys were Yeah, I, uh, I think it opened in about two th- uh, yeah, 1996. Uh-huh. So we were there... I'm not going to say when, but <laughs> we were one of the first years to go there. And then, uh, yeah, so Adam, Adam and I met there and we've worked together a few times since then. So it was a real honour to be asked to come and design Adam's first show as the artistic director of the mm. theatre. What kind of process do you go through with a director when you're working on a show? Like, how, how does it work? Well, do you know what? It actually changes with every different director you okay. work with. They all have their own processes. Um, some of them 
aren't particularly very visually literate, but then you get others like Adam. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not saying who, but then you, get, then you get to work with people like Adam who are brilliant and they, they have a really clear idea of what they like and what they mm. want and, and have a real good insight in the piece as well. So it, it makes the process a lot, a lot slicker and a lot easier for a designer. How do you imagine it all? Because like, design's a really interesting world of which I have limited experience, but tell us a little bit about what happens in your mind or how that works. Crazy. Well, the, f- the first stage is always to read the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I read the script for Wonderland, it's, it, it, it's quite a read. Um, yeah. So much happens in the play, and it almost reads like a big musical in a way because there are so many different locations we go mm-hmm. to. We've kind of limited the cast to, a, to, I think it's about 10, but some of them play at least four or five different people you see yeah. so, and, and they and the, and the scenes kind of flow into each other as well mm-hmm. so reading the script is always the first port of call and from that I always just get a few ideas together about how the movement is going to work but then mm-hmm. you go and delve into research so you just research the time period it's set in kind of comprehensively understand who the real people are who we're trying to portray in the in the play do a bit of political research as well about what the what the play is actually about but then also Adam and I went down um, went down a mine together amazing we we took a we took a day trip out um, and went down the uh, the National um, Mining Museum so yeah we took the day trip down there and it's really interesting actually because they still have ex-miners who take the tours uh, down the down down the shaft as well so you get not only a first-hand experience of seeing what a mine shaft actually looks like, mm. but you get to hear the stories and you get to hear about the camaraderie all the miners had mm. uh, amongst themselves, which is really what the play's about. So it's fantastic to be able to see that. Amazing, because it's an absolutely stunning set. Like, it's really big. <laughs> like, when you walk in theatre, you're kind of like, whoa, and it's really evocative. How do you create all that kind of sense of uh, emotion in it? One of the main things I took from kind of going down the mine is actually the scale of these underground warrens, which which you know are all over the country. They're huge, and there are miles and miles of tunnels underneath. And it almost felt like um, the miners themselves were almost in like a, an ant, like a like um, you know when you see those cross sections of um, oh ants yeah and, like uh, ant, ant hills yeah exactly what, whatever you call them um, <laughs> I don't know what you call them but yeah it, it, and it, it felt like almost the, the human scale is reduced, mm. reduced down to that size. So I wanted to be able to not only make the, 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 the humans in the story feel small in comparison to this vastness, but also to be able to create the kind of the, um, the intimacy as well that we mm. really need to help to tell these people's stories. And you did a great job because you won a massive award for it. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, I did. Um, I won the Best Design uh, Award at the UK Theatre Awards this year, well, last year now, uh, which, was, which was amazing. I completely wasn't expecting to win it. Um, I wasn't even expected to be nominated, to be honest. So even just wow. getting the nomination was a surprise. Yeah, it's a real honour. It's amazing. And, it, and it's, it's a, what an honour to be able to bring it back to Nottingham. Well, we're really excited yeah, that it's coming too. back. <laughs> so I'm glad it's back. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you get to be a designer. Because it's quite an unusual career path. And it's not something that really teach you when you're kind of doing GCSE art or anything. So what was your journey to deciding that was where you wanted to go? I grew up... Um, in a place called Leek, actually, or a place called Endon, which is just between Stoke-on-Trent and Manchester. So West Mids? I'm, I think it's north, no, north, north Staffs, it's officially north called. Staffs. Yeah, I think uh-huh. so. So it's a bit further, a bit further north than that, um, which was a mining area itself, yeah. actually, uh, which was convenient because I kind of lived through a bit of it myself. Yeah. 
there were two people actually who were my teachers at school. One was my uh, was the deputy head called Mike Bambury, and another was a music teacher called Steve Williams. Who every single year we put on um, a big school show, yeah, and it was massive for the size of the school that we went to. And from that, I just got this love for theatre. I, I was in these school shows, but I knew I didn't want to be a performer. Mm. But on, on top of that, I love music, I love art, and I was always good at making mm. stuff. As a part of the school orchestra, we went down to the West End every year and saw, a, saw a, one of those big 80s musicals that I just fell in love with. And knowing I didn't want to be a performer, it just seemed to be a way of combining all my loves um, for these different subjects together as one, as one job. Nobody in my family is from in show business or in the arts at all so I just had to work out myself how to do it which I did well done <laughs> thanks <laughs> I think it's really fascinating how many creatives don't have a theatre background but kind of fell into it through school um, or seeing one show they got taken to and that was just like a massive turning point for going that's what I want to do with my life it seems to be have that has that effect on people to make them go this is amazing I want to do that yeah, absolutely. I, and my parents took me down to the West End. Like I, when I was twelve, I saw mm. Joseph at the Palladium and just fell in love with it. And yeah, it's just it, it, there are lots of people in this industry who who come from normal backgrounds who have just mm. pursued a particular love that they found. Did you have to do like a fine art way into it, or did you do it through a theatre way, or technical theatre, or different routes? And isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, I I um, did my A levels at a A level college, and then stayed on for an extra year to do a foundation course. Mm. And even there, they didn't really know what to do with me because uh, <laughs> I know even at that point, I I knew what I wanted to do, um, but there was no facility for that in the school. Mm. So I just went off and did my own projects and. Just did my own thing, really. And that's really interesting, isn't it? It's like not waiting for permission, but just making it happen. Just going, right, well, this is what I'm going to do, so you just go and do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and as I said, I was always good at making stuff with my hands. My granddad mm. was a really good craftsman, craftsman and work, mm. um, a woodworker. And I, I use those skills every day, really, because we make our shows in a, in a model form to mm. begin with. So we, this, this show we made in a... And a tiny version. We work in the, in the UK in a scale of 1 to 25, so the models that we make are exactly 25 times smaller than what appears on stage. So we know it's going to work as a show. And all the pieces that come in and out, we make in miniature form as well, as long as, as, long as the miniature people. So we can, I can use that as a, my tool to um, explain to the set builders, to the prop makers, to Adam and the choreographer and the lighting designer about how the show should look. And we know from that from having done that work and that research, um, that the show, in theory, should should work. Which it does. It does. <laughs> it just works really well. Well, but also with this as well, because um, when people come and see the show, we, we didn't really know how we were going to achieve it, actually, mm. because the whole set is basically made out of something that looks like a coal face, and we didn't know how to do that initially. And it, it took a bit of research from the, from the builders at the Nottingham Playhouse Workshop and Andy, the production manager here, about how we're going to achieve this look. Because in model form, I just took this, um, this piece of basically black paper, or mm-hmm. we call it black wrap in theatre, which is what you control the, the light spill out of a light with. Mm. And it's this black fabric, that, this black... It's almost like um, kitchen foil, but it's mm. black, basically. And um, we took some of that. I scrunched it up and put it into the model box, and it started to look like a coal face. Um, but then we had to work out how to do that 25 times bigger. So wow. we did a lot of research, and we found this product in the Netherlands, actually, that we then got shipped over, and the brilliant builders here turned it into a, turned it into a set. I love that it innovates like that, because you go, I need this look. How are we going to make it? And you end up kind of finding all sorts of 
materials and things to craft to create that kind of beautiful effect it's amazing yeah I'm, I guess I'm the one who creates the problems and <laughs> have to solve some of them myself but I yeah it, it takes a lot of people a lot of very clever people to try and actually make it happen and we weren't really sure how it was going to react until mm. we put it on stage and yeah by that point it was too late but thankfully it that's an amazing risk to pay off <laughs> I know. it did pay off but wow are there any designers or up-and-coming designers that you're really excited about or other designers that have influenced you or that you think are great I was lucky, really. I um, When I first graduated from Lipper, I assisted um, a few designers for about five or six years. One of the guys I worked for was Christopher Oram, and we worked together for about five or six years. We did things like Guys and Dolls in the West End and Evita on Broadway. Um, Christopher just did Frozen on Broadway, so he's doing it right for himself. <laughs> yeah. And then um, another guy was a, a legendary designer called John Napier, who mm. designed all of those shows that I went to go and see as a child in the West End. So wow. he designed, he designed everything. So he designed Les Mis and Miss Saigon and Star, um, Starlight Express and Sunset Boulevard. And I was lucky enough to go and work for John as his model maker on a couple of shows, and I loved it. And I will never forget the first day I walked into a studio and on the shelf around the room was the model for all of those wow, big shows. So the amazing. model from the Saigon was there and my, my, my chin basically hit the floor and that was it. But it was amazing because it, it's a really good way of learning learning your craft and I, can, I will never forget a moment. John and I were just kind of, we were working on a big show in the West End at that point and we could stand in the model box. It was so big and there was myself and John Napier stood in this model box and he would ask me questions and just test me to see whether you know, I was thinking along the right direction, mm. or thinking the same of same as he, same as he was. But yeah, it's, it's it's a really good way of learning the craft. So, what's next for you? I'm, not, you really, to I'm not really allowed to talk about it. Um, it hasn't been announced yet. Um, I'm doing a big musical in the in the West End in the summer, um, which I only found out about a few weeks, and it's on in the end of June. So, I've got to get my skates on and get designing it. But mm. yeah, it's a, it's a big musical. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. That's and really exciting. I'm hoping to come back to Nottingham later in the year as well for a show. Also hasn't right. been announced. I can't tell you about that either. <laughs> but yeah, I'm lucky. I guess as designers, you always have a few projects um, kind of lined up after each other. Sometimes you can talk about them and sometimes you can't. It makes them very exciting when you're not allowed to talk about it, though. I'm really excited. I can't wait to do it. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. I love the show. So Amazing. Thanks ever so much for coming to talk to us. My pleasure. I'd love to speak to you. It was fascinating to hear Morgan there, and fascinating too that just like Lewis Doherty, he didn't come from an arts background, it all started with a school musical. Wonderland is definitely one of those shows that the stage picked out as showing that Nottingham Playhouse really engages with local stories and shows that have a real impact for local audiences. But it's a story, of course, of national importance too. It's delightful that that show is going to have a second run after its time on stage at Nottingham Playhouse at Northern Stage in Newcastle. So, thank you for listening. We'll be back next month when there will be plenty to talk about. Not least, we're announcing our autumn season on the Monday the 25th of February. One way to get an invitation to that is to join Playhouse Pass. In the meantime, do subscribe to this podcast. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Music.